Hi, friend. Welcome to the By His Grace podcast. This is Misty Phillip. I am your host, and I'm also the founder of Spark Media, where I equip Christian podcasters through a variety of ventures. And before we jump into today's episode, I wanted to share two projects that I am super excited about and wanted to see if I could get your help getting the word out. First, we are publishing the fall edition of the Spark Media magazine, and we are taking pre-orders for the fall edition. So if you know a Christian podcaster that would benefit from this magazine, I would appreciate you sharing. Second, we are hosting our next live event in March on the 7th and 8th as a pre-conference to the NRB, National Religious Broadcasting Convention, in Nashville at the Gaylord Opryland. The early bird tickets for that are on sale now. And for more information about both of these projects, go to sparkmedia.ventures. Now, there are pitfalls to avoid on our way to chasing our dreams. And we're going to talk about one of those pitfalls today. And that is the trap of people pleasing. Do I have any people pleasers listening today? If so, after listening to this episode with New York Times bestselling author Karen Eman today, I believe that you will see the importance of pleasing God and not man, and you will have some tools in your toolbox to do just that. We need to live a life that is pleasing to God, but too often we run ourselves ragged trying to please others. I thought I'd begin today's episode by looking at the definition of people-pleasing. According to Merriam-Webster, a people-pleaser is a person who has an emotional need to please others, often at the expense of his or her own needs or desires. Have you ever been guilty of doing that? I know I have. Well, in this episode, Karen shares that the Bible has a lot to say about people-pleasing. She referenced Galatians 1.10 and said this verse was foundational in writing her new book, When Making Others Happy is Making You Miserable, How to Break the Habit of People-Pleasing and Confidently Live Your Life. In this passage, the Apostle Paul is preaching the gospel, trying to bring people to the obedience of God and not of men. Paul would not attempt to alter the doctrine of Christ, and neither would he do it to gain their favor or to avoid their fury. In the Matthew Henry commentary, it says that we must not fear the frowns of men nor seek their favor by using words of wisdom. And y'all, this got me thinking about our current cultural climate and where things are headed. Do we shrink back from sharing what we believe because we are afraid of what others may think of us? Or Do we not speak the truth because we are worried about being canceled? These are real questions that I'm pondering. Friends, the gospel message is offensive to those who are perishing. The Bible warns us that if we are followers of Jesus, that we too will be hated by the world. I believe that we are living in a crucial hour on the kingdom calendar where we need to press into God like never before, seeking his wisdom, his guidance, and direction for our lives. And then we need to humbly obey what he tells us to do. Now, I hope you enjoyed today's episode. I'd love to hear your feedback. Please take a minute to leave me a review for the Bias Grace podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. This helps others 
learn about the By His Grace podcast. I recently got feedback from someone that said they had never heard of the podcast, but listened to last week's episode with Jordan Rayner and fell in love. So if y'all would leave me a review, I would so appreciate it and hope you enjoy this episode with Karen Eamon. Karen Eamon, welcome to the By His Grace podcast. I am so excited that you are here today with me, my friend. Well, thank you for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So today we're going to talk about people-pleasing. So this year on the By His Grace podcast, I have been talking about chasing our dreams and following God. And when I was approached about having you on my show, I was like, yes, please. Because I think that we can all, when we are chasing our dreams, we can fall into this trap of people-pleasing. And whether our dream is to be a wife and a mom, or it's to be anything else, I think that people always want from us and we can um, make ourselves miserable in trying to please others. And you have written the book on that. So let's start by just talking about this trap of people pleasing. You know, I actually think it's a strength that gets carried to an extreme. And now, well, we don't say in our house the word weakness. We say it's a non-strength. Now it's a non-strength. So it's good to want to serve others and as Christians to want to love others and put others before yourselves. I mean, all that is so biblical, but when we cross the line and we're not doing it because we feel like the Lord is calling us to do something, but we are doing it because the other person expects us to. And we either want a reaction from them. That's positive. We want them to like us and think we're capable and competent, or we want to avoid a negative reaction. We don't want to upset them. We don't want to anger them. Then we're no longer loving and serving because we're doing it for the Lord, we're doing it because of, you know, either wanting to avoid or elicit a response from them. And then we're putting them in the place of God. Yeah. So I love that you started off the the book with this quote from Galatians, and I'm just going to read that real quick. Um, Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. Ouch. Ouch. So talk to me about that, Karen. Well, you know, it's funny. I think a lot of people don't know that there are verses in the Bible that specifically talk about people pleasing. And it's not even just in some kind of roundabout cryptic way. It's actually in there that when we try to please people rather than God, We have it all backwards. Now, that's not to say that there aren't times that we do please others because it pleases God, but it's when those two things are in conflict with each other and we choose the people over God, then we are putting them in the place of God and letting them call the shots rather than him. And this verse was actually really crucial to me when I first started to bust out of the prison of people pleasing probably about three, three and a half years ago. I've been addicted to the approval of other people my whole life. It's been a decades long struggle, but that verse really just jumped out at me in a new way when I was really kind of at my rock bottom and starting to have even some physical symptoms of stress because of my people pleasing. That was a verse I just really clung to that I wanted to please God and not be at the mercy of just pleasing others all the time anymore. Yeah. So let's talk about that a little bit more because you went through a summer of no 
Um, so tell us what led up to that and, um, and, and what happened with that and then kind of what the result of that was. Well, I had gotten a seemingly innocent call from my best friend from college. We've been friends for decades and she wanted to know if I would help her with something that summer. And it wasn't that big of an ask, but I had this, you know, voice in my head saying, don't say yes, don't say yes. But of course, out of my mouth flew the word, sure, no problem. And I immediately knew that I had given the wrong answer. I went out to the back of our yard by our fire pit and I just lost it. I just broke down. I was going through a lot right then in my life. We had just moved to a new town to be closer to my parents. Um, But 19 days after we moved, my dad fell and passed away in the hospital a couple weeks later. And we were adjusting to being um, new in-laws. Our first child was getting, he got married six weeks after we moved in. And there was just so much going on in my life, but like a lot of us, I underestimated um, my abilities to take on a lot of things. And I just kept saying yes to everything, regardless of these stresses in my life, both happy stress and sad stress. And I just knew that I should have told my friend no. And it was then that I really started diving into scripture. And I realized that so much of the answers, um, many of the answers that I gave were just because I wanted someone to like me or I didn't want to upset them. And I knew that I had a problem with people pleasing because I was starting to have physical things happen. I couldn't sleep very well at night. I would, you know, I'd fall asleep at the beginning of the night, but then I'd wake up several times and couldn't get back to sleep. My left eye was twitching and almost wouldn't stop. It probably twitched 10 hours a day. And I knew that something had to give. And so I started digging into scripture, talking to my husband, praying about it. And it was then that I, I read this verse in Galatians. I read some other scriptures too. And I felt God calling me to a summer. It was about three months because it was right around Memorial Day. And I was supposed to do it until Labor Day of necessary and no. And the summer of necessary and no meant that I was to do only what was necessary for my family, my home, and my job, my ministry, and say no to everything else. Even if it was something like simple, like making cookies for the toddler class at church, which I've done since I was 16 years old and never said no. I just really felt like I needed to to pump the brakes and just clear my schedule. And so most of the people were pretty good about it. Some people gave me the guilt trip. And my best friend, she she was such a, a treasure because she said, you know, I care more about your mental health than this issue I have that I need help with. I'll find someone else. And I'm going to be checking in on you this summer. You need to, to slow down. She actually has someone in her life that almost suffered a mental breakdown because they couldn't say no to people. And so she saw me kind of going down that same path. And I'm telling you, it was the both the hardest and the best thing I've ever done. It was so hard those first couple of weeks to back out of things. And when people called and wanted you know, me to help with something new to say no, but I finally felt like I could breathe again. And I finally started to put back on my plate only the things I knew God was calling me to, not the other things I was just expected to do. Yeah, that's, I just recently had to make a decision similar to this. I've asked, I was asked to speak in uh, Michigan and I'm in Texas, right? So for you, speaking in Michigan may not be that big of a deal. For me to speak in Michigan, it is, it's a lot larger of a commitment. And I really struggled with it. I knew that I was supposed to say no, but I still struggled with because I didn't want to upset this person. I did say no. Um, and then even afterwards, the next day we we're at church and my husband's like, you're not paying attention to the sermon. He goes, you're still thinking about that, aren't you? And I was like, I really want to say yes. Lisa Turkers wrote the book, The Best Yes. 
success, right? Like they're not all the best. Yes. Well, I want to know what you learned from this summer of no and necessary. What did God teach you during that time? Well, one thing was kind of sad um, was the fact that there were some people that kind of split the scene that I thought were my friends because they wanted to be my friend. But I realized quickly that they were only kind of connected with me because of what I would do for them. And when all of a sudden I said, hey, I need a break. I can't help you with this thing anymore for the next couple of months. They were gone. And yet on the flip side of that, the good news was that those people who were truly my friends, they were fine. They cared more about me and my capacity and my limitations and my mental health. And so I really learned that you can say yes to a friendship while still saying no to a request from a friend. And if you say no to a request from a friend and they split the scene, then you might need to really evaluate if they were really your friend in the first place, or if you were just someone that they put around them um, because they knew you, you were just a yes girl or a yes guy. And you would always just rescue them and jump in and serve. And so that's why they kept you close at hand. It wasn't really because they wanted to be your friend. Yeah, that's sad, but it's a a good lesson for us to learn as well. So I would be completely remiss if I did not ask you this next question, which is as an author and a speaker and all of the things that you have done in your amazing career, um, I have a lot of women that listen who are authors and speakers as well and podcasters. And I know that that we, there's a lot to our calling. For those of you who are listening who don't do those things, we have a lot of things on our plate as an author and a speaker and a podcaster. And, and so what wisdom would you share with them? I remember before, I, before you answer that, I'm going to tell you, I uh, was so nervous the first time I, when I decided to write and speak, I went to Proverbs 31 and I got on the conference call beforehand and I was so nervous. I had worked worked for Enron and had done tons of conference calls. And then I stopped to stay home with my kids and homeschool them for several years. And I just remember being so nervous, but I would love for you to speak to those, to those women who are authors and speakers who may be trying to please people and do a lot of things that maybe they should say no to. Well, it's funny. You mentioned Lisa Turkhurst a minute ago. She and I are very close. And I remember something that she told me Uh, that really helped me. And I've shared it with a lot of people, especially those people who are in ministry, writing, speaking, leading, blogging, being an influence, whatever it is, is sometimes we feel like there's so much to do and we want to have our fingers in all of it, especially if you tend to be kind of toward the control freak side, which I totally do. But I remember one time when I was just knocking myself out, doing everything, she said, I needed to sit down and ask me, like write out everything that I had to do, all my tasks, all the different areas that it took to be in writing and speaking, and then ask myself, what can only I do? And what can I delegate to someone else or stop doing altogether or pay somebody to do? And to also include real life things there too. And this was years ago, it's probably 10 years ago. And I remember like a real life thing that only I could do was only I could sit in the baseball stands or the volleyball bleachers or the football bleachers and cheer on my three kids as they were playing their sports. I couldn't have somebody else go pretend to be me. So something that I didn't need to do was post on my social media. Not that I had anybody pretend they were being me, but if I said, hey, here are the images I want, grab some, some quotes from my books on these certain pages and post them on these days, I could pass that off to somebody. I actually had 
several different volunteer interns who were homeschooled high school girls that wanted to maybe write and speak someday. And so I could pass that off to them so that I could go sit in the bleachers and watch my kids. So I think it is really important to realize that we don't have to do it all. It, it all needs to get done, but it doesn't always have to be us. So ask yourself, what can only I do? And what can I either pay or have a volunteer do? Or even barter. There are times I would, like, I remember one time I had somebody for like a whole year help me with something, redesign my website because they also wanted to write a book. So I said, hey, I can coach you on how to write a book proposal if you can take over and redesign this website for me. So bartering also helps in that case too. Yeah, I love that. And and that's exactly what I tell people because oftentimes I see really young women who are who are moms who are wanting to write and they're spending a lot of time trying to build a platform and do these things. And I say, sweetheart, you are the only one that can be mom to those people. So make sure that you are stewarding that time well. And I'm also a fan of, we don't have to do everything, right? But we are the only one. I'm the only one that can be a wife to my husband. I am the only one that can be a mother to my children and sort of everything else has to come after that. So I'm so glad that that you shared that. So your book, When Making Others Happy, is making you miserable, how to break the pattern of people pleasing and confidently live your life is your new book. So tell us, how do we break the pattern of people pleasing and how do we confidently live our life? Well, it's not easy. I'm still working on it. But I think when we can learn to retrain our brain and and stop asking ourselves when somebody is texting us, calling us, standing in front of us, sending this, that email, and and there's an ask in it. Stop in our minds thinking and pondering, you know, what do they want me to do? What do they want me to say? And instead, shoot up a prayer. And I know it sounds like a Sunday school answer, but just say, Lord, you tap me on the heart if I'm supposed to say yes to this. And if I'm supposed to say no, then you help me to do that hard thing that, you know, two-part thing to speak the truth and love, you know, to tuck the truth in an envelope of kindness. And I find it's just really helpful to be super honest with people. And instead of, you know, fumbling around and what I like to do, or I tend to do is over-explain my no, to just really say, you know what, everything within me right now wants to say yes. My heart so wants to say yes to you. But when I look at my schedule and my bandwidth right now, And when I pray about it, I just don't feel right. I don't feel peace about it. I know God is calling me to say no. So as much as I know it's going to disappoint you and I, and I fear there being an awkwardness in our friendship going forward, my answer has to be no. See, the old me would have just said, well, I'm really busy and I've got this going and I've got, and I would have tried to, you know, give all these excuses. Why? I think we, as women, yeah, that's what we want to do. My husband has taught me just say no. You don't have to tell them why just say no. And that has been so empowering for me because I want to say, but, 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 (laughs) and what happens is when we give all those excuses, like, well, I'm, I, okay. Let me give you a real life example that just happened to me. So I get asked, oh my goodness, dozens of times, probably three or four dozen times a year, I get asked to endorse someone's book or to write the forward to it. Well, I can't read, you know, 30, 40 books a year. I love to read and maybe read close to that, but it's books I want to read or books I I am endorsing because I'm close friends with someone. But somebody asked me to endorse their book and write their forward. And it was a really tight timeline. It was like, they wanted me to read it and, and endorse it and write the forward in like two weeks. And I tried to give a polite no, but I over-explained. And I said, I just can't. I would so love to do this for you. I'm so proud of you. I'm cheering you on. And I really was proud of them. I really was cheering them on. 
But I said, I just can't turn this around in the next two weeks. I have speaking engagements going on. I have a deadline for this and a deadline for that. So I'm sorry, but my answer is going to have to be no. Um, and they wanted to send it to me electronically. And I don't like to read things electronically. So I thought, okay, got, you know, that one's off the hook. Oh, no. You know, we women are problem solvers. And so they were solving all my problems for me when they emailed me back. And they said, well, number one, I'm going to send you a hard copy. I need your address. And number two, I talked to my editor and you can have six weeks. And so now I was like, Ugh. now they kind of like just shot down those two excuses that I had. And if I had just backed up and been able to say, you know what, um, I thought about it, I've prayed about it, my bandwidth this year, um, I've already taken on as many endorsements as I can. I don't have any more room this year on my schedule, but I will be cheering you on and I'm proud of you. I don't think they would have pushed back because I said this year. But when I said, oh, I'm busy in the next two weeks, well, then they gave me six weeks, you know? So I think we just need to, to be firm in our no, don't over-explain. Yeah. Okay. So now let's talk about the second part of your subtitle. How do we live confidently? What if you could speak to somebody who was struggling with people-pleasing right now? What, what, how would you tell them to confidently live their life? Well, I think it starts with scraping off your plate just like I did that summer when I had a summer of necessary and no, did only what was necessary, said no to everything else, scrape it clean, you know, hit the restart button, and then be very careful and prayerful and intentional to only put back on the things that you know, that you know, that you know, that God is calling you to do, that you have a passion for and a skill for. Not that we don't ever serve outside of our skill set. I'm not saying that. There are times that we're called to do things that's not really in our wheelhouse. But really, I think it starts with just clearing it all off because we can't see straight, you know, when we have so much on our plate. And we women feel like we're so clever and capable that when we're asked to take on something new, we don't ever think about saying no. We don't ever think about removing something from our plate so we can take on the new task because we're so sure that we're so clever and capable that if we just rearrange everything, like somehow we'll make it all fit and we can't get out from beneath it and see past it when we're just trying to rearrange everything. So scrape the plate off, tell everyone I am backing out of all of my commitments right now um, for the next month. And I'm going to pray about whether I'm supposed to add them back in. So whatever I'm doing, you're going to have to find somebody else to do it for the next month. I may be back, but I very likely may not be. And then that gives your brain some time to, to breathe. It gives you time to really spend time with God and really be very prayerful about him making it so clear to you what you're to be involved in. Then you can go back and you can add those things back on, or maybe you take on new things. You don't add anything old back on, but you got to scrape your plate first. If you try to just kind of start juggling things, it never works. Yeah. I found that in my own life as well. So Karen, thank you so much for sharing your wisdom with us today. And we're excited about when making others happy is making you miserable and can't wait to see how it impacts the lives of women everywhere. Well, thank you so much for having me. It's been fun. Hey friend, before you go, did you know that there are still places all around the world where the name of Jesus has never been heard? That's why Operation Christmas Child is sending the gospel through simple shoebox gifts to the ends of the earth. The Greatest Journey follow-up discipleship program is teaching millions of children to put their faith in Christ and how to share that faith with others. As a result, entire communities are being transformed. 
National Collection Week is November 15th. To learn more about this global evangelism movement, visit SamaritansPurse.org slash OCC. Oh, 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 oh,